three, two, one. All right. It's kind of beautiful when you think about it, that even though we're in in separate towns, we're still clapping together. Uh All right, that's the most lighthearted and whimsical we're going to get. Get ready for fucking war, everybody. Hello and welcome to a star to steer her by. Oh my god, it's that podcast again. You know, the Star Trek one we've been listening to for like 224 episodes now. Whoa! Oh boy, so we're on episode 224 this week. We're covering some more Deep Space Nine episodes. We're doing... Also woo. Once more Unto the Breach and the Siege of AR-558. As usual, this is Ames. As you've come to expect, this is Caitlin. This is Jake. And this is also Chris. Cool. <laughs> and? And no one else. No one else. What? No guest, no guest stars. Son of a No bitch. one wanted to be sad with us. Mm. I don't blame him. Plenty of time to be sad. Let's, let's be sad about once more, to the, uh, once more Under the Breach first. That will not be difficult. All right. Well, let, let's start off. Um, good God. Fucking Julian and, and Miles are debating the legend of Davy oh, yeah. Crockett, which, don't worry, won't be at all relevant to the rest of the show. Or the 24th century at all. Like, it's not even relevant now. They're not going to know who the fuck Davy Crockett is <laughs> in the 2300s. I don't even it's, know who Davy Crockett is. It's relevant to the episode. Yeah, it ties in. Okay, but I'm just saying, like... But let's let him do the summary. Okay. Yes, please. All right, so Kor shows up to ask Worf for a mission that he can get killed in, which seems to happen a lot. And Worf is there like, hmm, I could blank his memory and let him live with Kern and just do that again. <laughs> but we don't do that. We do, a, we do another thing. Because Martok, we learn, fucking hates the shit out of Kor because, like, Kor slighted him when Martok was a rising warrior. But he's also a low class standing and Kor was a dick to him that Kor doesn't even remember. And Worf is like, oh, well, this, okay, uh, well, I already kind of told core that we could hang out during your really really stupid battle plan jesus martok uh so you know this isn't gonna be awkward at all because you know he's already here damn it wharf <laughs> bad, bad news i already told him he could come over i thought you'd be Play. into it meanwhile yeah as we learn core is kind of losing it like zek was losing it and that other time that it was also kind of uncomfortable and he keeps kind of forgetting where he is and whether or not kang is alive and we all remember, Kang is no longer alive. Sorry, no. Kang. Nor um, Koloth. So everyone's Sad all day. like, huh, this legend core, we don't know if he's any good or not. Interesting. However, we're in the middle of all these battles, and Martok's really goddamn stupid plan. Martok. Uh, his plan betrays us, which no one saw coming, and someone needs to go sacrifice themselves to hold a bunch of Jem'Hadar at bay. Yikes. So Worf pulls a Bones McCoy, and says, ooh, ooh, pick me, pick me. But Kor sees a great opportunity to get himself exploded, and he <clears> knocks <throat> Worf out so he can go Davy Crockett for the day. And so, yeah, there is kind of a Davy Crockett rele- relevance after all. So he does that. In the very dumb B-plot, Quark uh. mistakes Esri saying something about missing Kor, 
forth, Ugh. thinking that she wants to get back together with Worf. And Quark tells her about this and says, but I want to get into the pouch. And she thinks it's sweet, and I think it's dumb in the end. Yeah, I, I hated that. Thank also, ra rather than like a heartfelt speech, it just should have been, Esri, he would snap you like a twig. Do you <laughs> no, remember no. how Klingon sex works? Oh. Jadzia was a very sturdy woman. You are, you are made of like Canadian pixie sticks. Sounds delicious. Because she's a Canadian pixie. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, I don't, I don't care for what they're doing with the Quark character this season so far. No, agreed. I don't know if it's going to get any better, but it seems like they've kind of stopped his character and progressed it back to just being a creep. I do like what they do with him in the next one, but we'll, we'll get, get to, to that, that with that one. Yeah, I, I really hope that's the end, though, of, like, Quark wanting to fuck Ezri. Oh, I doubt it. I know, but let me let me hope. Yeah, <laughs> I did read there was a cut scene in which Quark just has a long venting session with Jake. So Jake's there, like, trying to pour Quark a drink, was how the scene was going to go. And Quark is just, but I'm the one, I've put in so much work, and I've been putting in so much nice, and and why does everybody else get to have a chance with it, with with any of the Daxes, I want to do it. And Jake's like, yep, that's a shame. Uh, that explains why Jake was sitting at the bar at that one point. <laughs> like, he was just kind of sitting there and he gave Ezri the, uh, gave Ezri the eye. Again, I kind of almost wish they had pursued that. It would have been interesting. Jake and Ezri? Yeah. I kind of wish that they had a female character on the show that didn't just end up with a relationship with one of the male characters on the show. Well, yes, I mean, that would be ideal, but we know they're not going to allow that. <laughs> so I think it would have been kind of interesting to be like, because Cisco would have been like, you know, he knows Curzon. Mm. And he's just like, it's like, it's not that I'm against you dating Ezri. I'm against you dating Curzon. <laughs> he's a bad influence. I should know. The um, Although... There is, so I know she's not a main character on the show, but there is one character who doesn't have a sexual relationship with any of the male characters, and that's Keiko. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Excellent. Uh, false, because we know that she's definitely boning Worf, or at least she was at one point. <laughs> 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 Nicely done. Yes. No, obviously the best option would be just let her not be defined by her relationships, but... It's a television show. Everybody on That's... the television show has to hook up at some point. Well, yeah. but especially for Esri. Yeah. Or for Dax, rather. Dax is just made for boys! Boys. Anyway, the yeah, actual I'm glad, that, I'm glad that Esri, though, doesn't seem to be boy crazy. Like No, that's true. Mm. Know, no, avoided, she's just regular crazy. <laughs> yeah, she. well, she's too busy... She's too busy still being confused mm. to be anything, you know? But yeah, yes, I like, you're I right. Like, I loved how Kira, in, in the uh, talk between Ezri and Kira, Kira seemed to know more about trills than Ezri did. Mm. She's like, oh, well, there's kind of a, a period of just getting used to the whole people asking you, oh, are you Curzon still a little bit? And you get used to it, right? And Ezri's <laughs> like, yeah, I guess so. Because she's done this Eight or fifteen more times, so I don't know. Yeah, well, I guess it makes on in her. It makes a little sense, if only because you know 
Jedzia and Kira were close, and Ezri did not actually undergo any training. Like, Kira probably actually does know more about the process because she would have learned it from Jedzia. Hmm. So you wanted to talk about the actual plot, Chris. Okay, sorry, yeah, you you went so yeah, still for a second, so I thought we lost you. I thought the same. I was like, she is not moving. Yes, yes, the, the actual deeply depressing plot. Yeah. Yeah, I do love, they did some very interesting things in kind of this clash between Kor and Martok, to the mm. point that, like, the show's almost, like, sympathize with neither of these characters, and like, oh, interesting, because they're both giant fucking dicks the whole episode long, and you're like, yeah. I... I don't want to sympathize with either of them. Which I, isn't I would be interested to hear why you thought Kor was being a dick. Or how you thought Kor was being a dick. Because I definitely thought Martok was, like, being really grudgy, and I was surprised by it, since I would have thought, like, you know, huge warrior, like, legendary fighting master of the katana, or whatever the fuck they said he was the master of. Like, I would think even a personal grudge would be nothing against that. So, but well, think, I'm curious about Kor. Well, Kor is a giant classist. And I can't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to forgive him for how he treated Martok many years ago. Well, see, that's the, that's the main bit for me is the many years ago piece. Because, you know, for example, we, we know that, uh, we know that Kor says trans rights. And I think there are lots of redeeming qualities about Core that I would be curious, you know, to know whether or not anything has changed for him. We will never find out, as it turns out. And he's but... got these head ridges now. <laughs> I don't know. I just kind of feel like he did this thing once a long time ago, and it was shitty. It's like, uh, what's that, like, famous Mortal Kombat or infamous Mortal Kombat quote where it's like you know so and so like you know one day i destroyed your village oh street you, fighter you tell oh, street, street fighter whatever same thing and that was like the worst day of your life but for me it was tuesday and i kind of feel like that's the that's like the kind of relationship the core martok thing has it's like for core it was just another day at the office and for martok it was this life-defining horrible moment i don't know yeah and he says i mean granted i don't think we realized at the time when he says yeah i don't remember you I don't think we, we are led to think at the time, like, oh, it's because you have, like, Klingon dementia. We just think, damn, that's kind of cold. That Oh, yeah, I just did this all the time. I judged people by, by their class all the time and didn't let them be warriors. Well, it's I, just I would what happened. I would imagine, though, that's, that's the case. Like, I think that's not an instance of his memory going. I think it is because it was a, it was a day at the office 30 years ago or something like well, but also, like, I feel like Martok even sort of suggests that they never have met. Yeah, you know, he says as much. Yeah, so I don't, he probably didn't know him at all. But yes, it does imply that it probably did happen all the time. But, like, yeah. is that, so, like, here's my question, though. Like, is that a core problem, or is that a core C-O-R-E problem of the Klingon Empire? He said, like, I think Martok said, Kors was the only nay vote. So I don't know how mm. many other people were voting. Oh, wow. But the fact that there was just the one no vote. Yeah, is it, I mean, it's, it's so strange because, yeah, like you say, like, Core has a lot of traits. So, like, we learn a lot about Core in the couple of instances we meet Core. 
and they do a good job, like, making the traits very varied. Like, he thinks, oh yeah, I need my honor, so I'm gonna go find the Sword of Kaelas. You're a weird guy, Kor. Alright. Mm. He's gonna bicker with Worf that whole episode long. But he's also good friends with Jadzia, and we think Jadzia's got good taste. Oh wait, no, she fucking doesn't. <laughs> Yeah, I just, yeah, it's too bad. I also, though, kind of feel like it's sort of sudden, and the whole dementia thing with him, because we didn't see him that long ago, and he seemed all right, aside from, like, the chasing legendary swords. Okay, maybe not. I take it back. Yeah, he maybe went, he, he was he already... He also went a little nuts in that episode, too, when he was, like, you know, trying to kill Worf and shit. Being fair, so did Worf. That's true. Mm-hmm. I mean... You know, that yeah, was but wasn't like that the, the blade of Kalos like no, giving them No, there was no explanation. Hornies? Come on, it was though. It, it was just it like, had, I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it a pass. I'm gonna say it's Kalos Kalos's bat left warrior hornies. War hornies, if you prefer. I do prefer. But yeah, jo- jokes on core though, not only does Marshark wind up a general, he marries way above his station. I wanna know that story. Yeah. Yeah. Because his wife is essentially royalty. Who talks to him like he is dog shit. Yeah, but I think in that case, that's uh, more his... uh, That's a kink. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it seems to me like, you know, so clearly, you know, the Klingon Empire has some sort of rigid caste system. And it's very, it seems like it's very hard to escape, you know, the caste that you're born into. Yeah. But perhaps one of the ways to do that is to win personal glory. Yeah, which would make sense. Yeah. So it sounds like that might have been what happened with Martok. You know, he was a hero working as a, you know, a civilian laborer on a ship and managed to make a name for himself. And that probably allowed him to elevate out of his lowly Kethel lowland status. Yeah. Yeah, there's all these... Really, I know we talked about it before. But there's all just these little breadcrumbs about about the culture that that make it really quite interesting, but we never get the full story. Uh, but we did get a Klingon secretary. This episode yeah. which was fascinating. Oh, I love that, that poor guy. Oh, Durak the aide. Yeah. Oh, he's my favorite. He was so sarcastic. Yeah. Like he was just like. Yep, we're just going to be a jerk about this today, huh? All right, I'm in. I love the idea that maybe that's actually part of the job. Is that your aid is permitted to be kind of an asshole to you to keep your ego in check? Oh my god, yeah, like the slaves who would whisper in Julius Caesar's ear, like, hey, you're not god, asshole. Keep your head on the ground here. Yeah, because Martok, like, definitely snarls at him, but... You feel like if an officer spoke to him that way, there would be, like, threats of violence. Whereas with this, he just has to sit there and take it. <laughs> so I, I, am, I, I am telling myself until I am told otherwise by Star Trek that, you know, your aide-de-camp is also part court jester. Yeah. And there to take the piss out of you a little. I like that. Well, it also makes you wonder, so I wonder if that guy was, you know, also a lowborn sort of you know in a in a in a lower caste and that's why he's kind of not a warrior but a you know like a clerical guy yeah. you know like that's that seems almost it's like something that to a klingon would be looked down upon you know that kind of job even even if he's very competent at it and 
respected in that field. It just seems like I can't imagine that Martok actually has a lot of respect for him. Probably not. And I wonder how, like, how that mirrors how Core viewed Martok in the past. Yeah, it's uh, true. You know, and now Martok, he's kind of risen up, and now he kind of is a bit of a dick to people that are on the lower echelons. Hmm. Yeah, he doesn't so, even recognize it within himself. The Rock's role also comes with the added bonus of, you're now in a, in a battle, and if you die in this battle... Glory for you! Glory on the house. Yeah, yeah. After he and Kor kind of have their bonding moment, after Kor has his big oopsie on the bridge, I kind of half expected that the secretary was gonna go with him. Hmm. Yeah. He's an older guy. Hmm. Yeah, well, I was thinking, like, you know, because I feel like he's very... Like, um, very nostalgic for, like, the old ways of the Empire, and, like, you could see that he saw in himself, or rather in Kor, a lot of himself and a lot of his values, and, you know, oh, Martok is but a child compared with us, and da-da-da. Which is funny, because I think of Martok as being old, you know? Like, I feel like Martok is an older dude, but apparently, uh, on the spectrum of age for Klingons, he's not so old. Well, they seem to live to about 200 if they don't die in battle fairly regularly. Alexander's like five years old and he looks 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, I mean, because Kor Alexander obviously, can't even grow up right. Fucking loser. Just kidding. Yeah. Kor was, was already an adult commanding a ship, you know. 200 years ago yeah. in the 60s. <laughs> but yeah, I also wonder, like, when I, th- when I think about someone like Duroc, I wonder if that's a situation where, you know, he's an older guy, he's probably toward the end of his life, you know, and I wonder if he is, you know, being in his role as sort of a, a civil servant kind of guy, there's probably not a lot of opportunities for glory. So I wonder yeah, no. if it is a thing where you, like, sign on to a ship as, like, you know, a way to... Earn your way into yeah. Stovacore. Certainly, you know? Martok is getting everyone killed. Yay! Oh, yeah. Yeah, this yeah. plan was bad, guys. The plan <laughs> yeah, that Martok put together great. was terrible. Well, this is a new ship, right? Because last no, time we saw Martok. Oh, it is? Okay. Well, whatever happened <laughs> Which, to the Which, by the, the way, just sounds like the sound of it banging off of something. <laughs> Welcome wasn't, aboard the Chitang. Wasn't his old ship the Rotaran? There, oh, I thought yeah, it was the Rotaran. There was a Rotaran at some point. That ship's been destroyed. Possibly. Somehow Martok survived. <laughs> Curious. Yeah, so Martok's plan is, is not even to go in and win battles and destroy things. It's just to swoop in, stir up trouble, and leave. And, and I look at that, I, I, I'm sure it's based off of some military strategy that Ron Moore read about or some bullshit. But you look at this against the Dominion, and is that at all feet like a good plan, a logical plan? Well, it seemed like this was specifically like a base that was more Cardassian than, say, Jem'Hadar or anything like that. So maybe it's okay. I mean, it wasn't, but you could see thinking, "Oh, it's the Cardis," mm. as opposed to you know the Jem'Hadar. 
Because it was ultimately, at first, it was just a Cardassian warship going after them. The Jem'Hadar came later. You know, Chris, someday we're going to have to talk about your racist attitudes towards the Cardassians. (laughs) Cardi isn't a slur, Spoonhead is. I'm pretty sure they probably both are. Would you call a Pakistani a shortened version of Pakistani? No. That's right. So why would you call a Kardashian a Cardi? I wouldn't call a Kardashian a Cardi. I'd call them the worst. Or Kardashians. You know what I meant. (laughs) Listen. Um, I'm just saying. Anyway. Yeah, and like, there's definitely, you know, they, they, Cisco brings up the old West cavalry raid or whatever. Mm. You know, so it's kind of like just going out to give your enemy a bloody nose, you know, a seek out a low, you know, a target that you could probably realistically take. And, uh, and I don't know. I mean, I guess the plan worked more or less. No, um, the, the, th- the thing is, so the plan was to go in, swoop in, stir up trouble, leave. However, during one of the, one of the runs, both Martok and Worf get like knocked over or something like that. Maybe there was a barrel yeah. on the bridge. Jesus Christ. Um, and Cor <laughs> like, barrels. I'm in charge. Kang and I have this covered. And everyone's like, oh no, do we follow him? We kind of have to follow him. He was third in command. Shit. And instead of doing the... And he's the Dahar master. Yeah, Mm. instead of swooping in and then leaving, he's like, we will keep fighting, which was not the plan. And they lose a... They have a swell of casualties, which was not the plan. No. And then Worf caught that knife like a badass. Oh my god, that was so great. And then whacked him in the head with it anyway. <laughs> Which, <Yeah. laughs> I was like, that's pretty good. Jake or Chris, maybe, but probably Jake. What is the Dahar Master? Do you have any explanation for I this? I really don't, because I think it's only ever talked about in relation to Kor, as far as I know. It's, and I it's think inter- Kang, too, maybe? maybe? Maybe. Maybe, yeah, maybe they talked about it there, too. But as far as I know, it's just like a very high-ranking person in the Klingon warrior cast. They're actually just really good at Klingon chess. Yes. Yeah. Dahar is just um, it's actually their version of D&D. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a dungeon master. I like yeah. that. That's good. I imagine Klingon D&D would be like about just living a normal life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's just playing the Sims. H- humans yeah. and home ownership. In today, in today's um, campaign, we're just going to be doing our taxes. Oh God, that's oh. That's a several a several night arc. Oh, can I just hire a Ferengi? Well, if you've got for initiative. Yeah, I was gonna say if you've got the gold and like the I don't know, what would you, what would that even be like? Is there something in Dungeons and Dragons where you have like connections? I don't know, to be honest. I I have played other games where that's a thing, but I don't know about D&D. Well, you're going to have to roll your connections and have a lot of gold. Mm. What I think was pretty interesting, too, with uh, this episode and uh, circling back to the, the secretary, was sort of, I think, the first sort of in-universe acknowledgement that culturally, cl- well, culturally, I, I dropped a whole syllable there, I think. Culturally, uh, the Klingon Empire has changed a lot since TOS. Mm. 
because he comes in and he's like, ah, so much standing on ceremony now and this and that. And it's like, it's, it's, I think the first time they've gone like, yeah, things are different aside from the ridges. Uh, which, which is fine. Cause I mean, cultures in, in the real world do go through shifts, especially over the course of a century. But, um, it is, I guess, sort of nice to see them go like, yeah, no shit, shit changed. Yeah. But if Those they still, you- if any of them still saw Kirk, they'd still do battle. Oh yeah. I, um, I liked the sort of escalation of things in this episode with, with core, you know, because initially, you know, he keeps slipping up and talking about Kang and, you know, going to Caleb, whatever it was. Um, and then when the battle happens, you know, that's like sort of the, the, the moment where he kind of just completely slips from reality and is like, yes, yes. Signal Kang. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I find it interesting how like they, they, kind of progressed to that. You know, they had that scene in the mess hall where Martok walks in and just makes fun of him mm. until he leaves. I do mm. really, really love the scene afterwards with Martok when he's like, yeah, I I, mean, I always wanted him to like get his comeuppance and his just desserts and his just gah or whatever. But I, I got no pleasure out of it. Like this is actually really fucking sad God damn it. I just yeah, wanted because, to hate the guy. Yeah. You know, from from Martok, this guy has been built up in his head for basically his entire life, right? Yeah. Ever since he was a young man, as like this evil piece of shit guy that's just, you know, the the worst, right? And then he meets him and is thinking, like, yes, we are gonna I'm finally I'm gonna have my revenge. And then he turns out to just be this, you know, senile old, old man. man. Yeah, he's just, it's just sad, you know? And I think that, you know, if Martok had encountered him earlier in his career, maybe he could have had that moment of catharsis that he was hoping for, but... Or even point, made amends. Like, the, well, that could have been different as well. Hmm, maybe. Yeah. Instead, I don't know. I he's feel like... kicking him like him when he's down, just like uh, he feels was done to him. Yeah, over something it, it, he can't control. Didn't feel good. Yeah, I love it because um, JG Hertzler also requested that Martok not join in at the song at the end because he's still bitter and doesn't and doesn't want to bring himself to sing for the guy. Hmm. And I think I that's mean, a, does, it's like... such a good little character detail that you're such you're you're kind of a piece of shit because people are pieces of shit. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, he's the one that at the end like proposes. Well, I guess it's technically Duroc that comes in with the bottle. I think I the don't blood know. wine. Yeah. Yeah. He's but, like, what did he say? It doesn't matter if you're on the bridge; you can drink to his victory. But well, he, he, he still thought it was it was Worf out there. Yeah. Oh yeah. But yeah, you can drink to their courage if they win, and if they lose, you can still drink to their, drink courage. To their courage. Yeah, but I think yeah. by the time Martok opens the wine. Like we know that it's core. And oh yeah, very much so. Yeah, they found the Worf end. tied up in a closet. <laughs> yeah, I mean he can be conflicted. You know, he can. I think the other thing too is you know you mentioned having spent so many years hating him, but of course he probably in the however many years before the application, like everyone else, been brought up on stories of how great he was. Which is probably you know it would be one thing to have never heard of the guy and then hate him. 
It's probably another thing entirely to have been told he was this great figure and then come to hate him. Mm. That probably really fucks with you, Noodle. Mm-hmm. True. It's also interesting how, like, when, when Kor first comes aboard, all of the other crew are just completely... Fanboying? Yeah. Like, they, they, like, they know him by sight. They're like, oh my god, it's the Dahar Master. Holy shit! And, and then it doesn't take very long for Kor to start having his mental lapses for them to stop having any respect for him you know, until he goes and does the does the thing here's my here's my question because I, I was thinking about the thing and like it's very because i know like at the top quark not quark bashir bashir and o'brien are doing their davy jones nope davy crockett <laughs> davy God jones. damn it very tired davy um, crockett's locker yes are going are going to davy crockett's locker and they're like, was he actually a hero? Did he surrender? There's no way to know, because, like, how would any... Like, this, this, this stuff doesn't make it into the history books of what actually happened. And I... My theory is, on whatever of the ships that they left to just be bait for the Jem'Hadar, Kor went off as nut again, started yelling for Kang, everyone else tied him up, threw him in the closet with Worf, and, and somebody else on that ship was the hero. And we'll never know. <laughs> Yeah, he poor beamed over. They're like, holy shit, I thought it was Worf. <laughs> Put this guy in the brig. I'll deal with it. <laughs> Does he still get an honorable death, though, if he's on board that ship when it gets destroyed? I think I so. Think, yeah, I think just by being, just by virtue of going to that ship, knowing that it was doomed in battle, that's pretty uh, honorable. I think that, that, that earns your way in. All right. Well, works for me then. So Worf was all ready to go and. On the suicide mission. Of course he was. He's Worf. Yeah. Well, I would say arguably this is them showing like, you know, because even he and Kor talk a little bit about Jadzia and you feel like Kor, or Kor, yeah, Worf, you know, in losing her, lost something that was sort of his like, I don't know, like his spark, I guess. I don't know. I just kind of wonder how much of it was him being like still kind of mopey. Hmm. I think with her gone, it, if nothing else, he can go full Klingon. Yeah. Again, have to think and, about anybody else. Yeah, like, I think it was Especially proven. Especially Alexander. Like, it was proven Ooh. that at the end of the day, he cared more about her than his career. So now he can just, you know, well, yeah, no, of course I got this suicide mission. Why wouldn't I? I'm fucking Worf. I yeah, am the honor, Catholic Klingon. Honor above all. Yep. Son of Moog. Whipping boy for all. Maybe he's going to take a page out of Kor's book next time Alexander comes to visit. He'll be like, who are you? Kang? <laughs> Kang, is yeah. that you? Oh, God. Alexander's like, ugh. Fuck no, this. Alexander's dead in a ditch somewhere. Oh, it I seems not. weird to me that Cisco just allows Worf to go on missions like this. Cling on around. Yeah. He, off he was offering the Defiant for the mission, and they're like, the Defiant should stay here. You realize probably, this is a bad plan, right? He's probably sick of listening to Worf's bullshit about... Glory and honor and war and glory and honor and war. Blah, 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 blah. Good. Go fucking find some. Get out. <laughs> you love glory like, and honor and war so much. Every time the Defiant is Why in battle and, and, and Worf's in, uh, aboard, it's like, sir, shields are down to 96%. Ramming speed. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. That's why they let him go. He can, he can get some of the Klingon out of his system. So that when he's on the Defiant, he can be a bit more restrained. Right. You know, he won't start talking suicide runs till 65% shields. Mm. Sir, that 
Jem'Hadar's ship looked at us. Hmm. Ramming speed! <laughs> Worf's out here playing a big game of cosmic bumper cars with these fuckers. <laughs> They're just like, oh shit, there's that goddamn Defiant. Keeps trying to ram us. Jesus, we put the baby on board sticker up. <laughs> I actually have to say, I hate those stickers. Like... Why do I care more about a baby on board than you? No, like, shouldn't I? Shouldn't all human life be valuable? It would be founder on board. Really, there that would go. have saved oh. a lot of trouble in the in the ship. If that's um, true, true. And that episode that we just had recently with uh, Wayun and uh, mm. and Odo, Wayun Six oh, yeah. and, and Odo, yeah. and you know full well the the real reason for those stickers is it's a warning to everyone else. Because I have yet to see somebody with a baby on board sticker on their car who wasn't the worst driver I've ever seen. Or even mm. had a baby in the car with them. Mm. It's just like, I see that and I'm just like, oh God, give them room. They are going to like, I don't know, fuck everything up. Just going to ram right Crazy into a tree. Crazy parents breastfeeding while driving and shit all over the road. I really don't even know what the baby on board sticker does. Like, is the is it like... Oh, I was gonna ram that car with my car, but yeah, since no, there's that's, a baby that's on board. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like, it's not gonna stop you from, like, if your intention is that you're gonna hit this car with your car, that baby on board sticker probably ain't gonna do much. If anything, the baby is probably more securely fastened than anybody else on the damn thing. Mm. You know, they've got a, a chair that's strapped to a safety belt. Got multiple layers of safety is all I'm saying. And the B Sharp wrote a great song about it. Yeah. What? Who did? Simpsons. Simpsons joke. About what? Baby on board. Sharps. Yeah, the Barbie Sharp Quartet episode. No, I forget. Oh, yeah, it was their big hit. Oh, so, the Homer's, the, the yeah. quartet that he's in with, like, Barney and uh, with Apu Skinner. And, and Skinner, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 okay. I vaguely remember that that episode exists. So, that's half that's I half remember the all the lyrics to the damn song. <laughs> Sing it. Sing it for us. Baby on board. How I've adored that sign on my car's window pane. I can't remember the rest. Yay. The band starts like, in my step, loaded oh. with pep, cause I'm Cause driving, driving in the, in the car pool lane. Uh, I'm sure that was a an auditory delight for oh, those yeah, yeah, Oh yeah, yeah, sinking on now. that. There's a little be... bit more, but I can't. Something about the carpool. Uh, no, just... uh, right, call me a square, call me a friend, I don't care. I know this is my fault, that but yellow, we have to move on. That little on. yellow sign can be ignored. I have one more ignored. note for if they yeah, ever stop I'm telling stop you talking. it's mighty nice. They won't. They won't. I'm sorry, I'm it's my fault. I'm telling you it's mighty nice. Each trip's a trip to paradise with my baby on board. Fabulous. Yeah, that's the <laughs> Oh. Sorry, sorry, let me, let me, it's my fault. Let me drag this back down it. again, as I am wont to do, uh, because this was uh, John Colicos's last acting role before he died about a year and a half later. Yeah, I saw that. Who, Cor? Yeah. 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 Oh. Well, you know, it was, you know, in, in a strange, strangely fitting way, it was a good send-off, I think. Yeah. You know? him as an so actor. Was that really, as a, he was holding out for one last time as yeah. core and then exactly. he well, knew I mean, he could go to Stovacore. He's done other acting, but I feel like core is sort of his the role that I only, I only know. What about really Bat? He's big in Battlestar. Yeah, yeah, it's true, but like 
A, I feel like Battlestar is not nearly as popular a show as uh, Star Trek. Wait, was he in the original? Yeah, he oh, was. Wow, Bal- I never was knew Gaius that. Baltar. Well, it wasn't Gaius in the original. It was just Gaius Baltar. Was all, it was just. It was Count. Mr. It was Count Mr. Baltar. Mr. Baltar. <laughs> My he first a, name is Count. And he's just he's just an evil man hmm. who does wicked things <laughs> and sits in a chair that is mysterious how he even got up there. <laughs> when you said Battlestar Galactica, I thought of Babylon Five and was real confused. Oh, we have a Battlestar, oh yeah, um, uh, Babylon Five connection for our next episode, which we should talk about. Oh, okay, cool. unintentional well, segue. I love those are my favorite kinds of segues because I don't have to think about them. <laughs> our next episode we're discussing is the siege of AR five five eight. Be prepared to be really just miserable because it's oh, yeah. so much war. So, so here I we cried. are. Wow, damn! Mm. I didn't. I yeah. did. I didn't. Yeah. Um. So here we'll, it is. We'll get there. It's the eve of this supply run that we're making to the Chintaka system, which we remember we somehow gained in some battles and are barely holding right now. But was it was that the one with the weapons platform? Yes. I think it was. Okay. All right. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. Just That's checking. Okay. Oh, yeah. So we're going to be going over there. So Julian decides, for reasons, uh, to go pay, pay Vic a visit and remind the audience that God... God Fucking damn it, Vic Fontaine. Already fucking done with you. Anyway, and Vic stepped up to remind us that his favorite word in the whole fucking world is Pally, which he literally says three times by the one minute 58 second mark. <laughs> the first like 20 seconds of which he isn't even in because we have Rom singing the ladies a tramp poorly. A scamp. Yeah, well, oh, sorry. The, the, well, yeah, but the song is called. But yes, you're right, of course. Yeah. All right. So anyway, we're going to play. Ugh. Planet AR558, and we're bringing Quark along for MacGuffin, MacGuffin, MacGuffin reasons. Yeah, you know. And we meet Chief Nadia Larkin, who is in command after their captain and first officer and, like, two-thirds of their fucking garrison have gotten killed to fuck, holding Mm -hmm. the line. And she and their officer, like, Vargas, are like, this is some goddamn bullshit. And Sisko's like, yes, it is. Speaking of goddamn bullshit... We learn the Dominion have these Houdini mines that they can hide mm. in subspace, so they can just blow you up randomly, even even if you check where they were before. So that is both fucking fascinating and fucking terrifying, but also fucking fascinating. So let's see, we have a whole bunch of stuff go on. The Jem'Hadar sends some holograms in, uh, and everyone's like, "Whoops! Well, now they know our position and, num- and numbers." Jazia, quick! Oh, oh, sorry, I mean Esri, quick. Take <laughs> this guy, Kellen, and break through their subspace somehow, because we gotta find those mines. Um, and uh, Nog, with your lobes so bright, won't you find their camp tonight? And Nog says, nice. okay. So we do those things. Esri turns off subspace, or whatever it is she does, and Nog finds that there's just a fucking shit ton of Jem'Hadar. And as they go scope out their camp, Larkin gets fucking killed, and Nog gets fucking shot to hell so bad that he loses his leg and pisses the hell out of quirk so it is personal now and we do this really long battle scene to remind us that war sucks because after that baseball episode we kind of forgot that war sucks but here's a reminder war totally fucking sucks 
and we pull the a Night's Watch kind of a thing and hold the fucking line. Everyone's like, yay! Oh, no, we're not. Everyone's like, this is terrible. We're all fucking miserable. And Quark is here to tell everyone, I fucking told you so. And could someone turn off the Vic Fontaine music because it's really distracting and has no place in this episode? Fucking table flip the end. It's like someone just saw the Shawshank Redemption, that scene when Andy puts on, like, the, uh opera music and they were just like you know what we need that here except it's Vic Fontaine they're so Ira Bear is so fucking proud of having all this Vic Fontaine and I think he needs to be hit in the head and preferably shaved god I hate that <laughs> oh, come on beard. pallies alright pallies pally oh pally see I don't know what they were going for with that because if anything because of the way it was echoing like it was more creepy than soothing and if you're mm. listening for Jem Hadar, who were about to come in and kill you, having music playing isn't going to, like, not help you hear the Jem Hadar coming. Well, it's okay, because they're going to come in screaming, so... Which they've never well, done before, and I was pissed. Maybe the Jem Hadar uh, are just... Maybe these are the alphas or the betas or whatever. They're just mesmerized by Vic Fontaine's beautiful voice, and they just walk in and are slaughtered one by one. Maybe that's what they were hoping for. It's like, uh, it's like in Frankenstein, they're kind of yeah. plucking at the air. Like, Trying to catch the music <laughs> notes. That would be, yeah. Or there's something about the way Jem'Hadar are programmed that they actually just find the music horrifying. Oh, yeah. Mm. They're just scared to death of it. Well, it's so like they, how, uh, they ran in screaming after a lot of them had already been blowed up by the Houdini. Yes. Yeah. Maybe they were just pissed. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like they were specifically created, like in a fucking lab somewhere by the founders, to be a stealth race. To be stealthy as fuck. They can turn invisible when they're healthy enough. Because, you know, we've saw, we saw that group in Rocks and Shoals that lost their invisible maneuvering because they were fucking starving to death. Yeah. But they can turn invisible. Like, they're really great warriors. You'd think run in screaming through a, a um, like a, not a, like, funnel point? What are those things called? Uh, choke point? Choke point. Run through a choke point screaming? That's a terrible move. Be invisible. Yeah. Turn invisible. Sneak in. Yeah. Screaming their way through the choke point. These people must play Overwatch. That sounds like uh... <laughs> Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They were they definitely Jenkins. Leroy Jenkins their way in. Although I don't know, I could sort of see, you know, normally when we see the the Jem'Hadar operate, they are being a lot more tactical. Whereas this really was just try to overwhelm the defenses. Mm. So maybe when they're doing that kind of a, an assault, they do you know, war cries and shit like that, maybe. Again, I'm willing to take what Ames said, just said it's a it's a quirk of the alpha batch. Yeah, I could go with that too. They do seem Although, way more aggressive. Well, we've only seen them once. That we Yeah, have. but they were idiots. <laughs> Although I gotta imagine that since I'm assuming reinforcements still are not able to come through the wormhole, I'm guessing. Even now that um, it's open again? Yeah, right. Because oh. the 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 aren't the 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 prophets I'm imagining are still in there disappearing their ships as needed. I don't know because at the very like at some point the female changeling got back to the link because she's ill, like oh. the rest of the link. Oh, unless yeah, that she gets unless oh yeah, that's true. Unless yeah, I was gonna say maybe she was maybe it's like had a long incubation period. 
But then, Maybe. if that were true, then Odo might Odo should have. be Odo should be sick too. It, it could um, be that since it reopened, there you know whatever happened that it was closed for a while. They've just kind of they can't uh, act as a blocker well, anymore. So we'll talk about a fucking choke point. Just station a bunch of starships at the wormhole, and yeah. every time it opens, just blast anything that comes out. You know, like why, yeah. why even. Like, that's the only thing I'm thinking. It's like, yeah, Deep Space Nine is still right there. Mm. Now that you've uh, retaken the space, put the minefield back. Yeah. <laughs> no, they can't do the yeah, same thing twice. Idea. This is a television show. Well, maybe they can learn how to hide them in subspace like these assholes did. Oh, yeah. Like, that's... It's such an interesting idea, these subspace mines that can just... Even when you've scanned an area, they're still technically there. You just cannot fucking detect them. Yeah, that must really wear on one's psyche after a while. Yeah, and then the fact that, okay, once we find them, these seem like some fucking war crime kind of things. They do. Oh, yeah, we're gonna use them ourselves, and Gene yeah. Roddenberry is spinning in his grave in space. Well, thankfully, Ezri was the voice of reason there, and was like, really? We can't believe they were using these, and now we're gonna turn around and... Okay. Yeah, but we used them anyway. Well, yeah, but at least someone spoke up against it. I guess is what I mean. And so, like, Shut the fuck up! <laughs> <laughs> so, why did they use Billy Moomy here instead of Voyager? Is it too what on the nose? In, what would he be in Voyager? Oh, I don't know, but because he was in Lost in Space. Oh, I get it. Yeah, he was the original Will Robinson, and that's kind of funny. I do know that since he was also a big character in Babylon 5, I don't know which one, I've never seen Babylon 5, um, he basically said, like, I know, Ira, I know you want me on your show at some point because we know each other and all this thing. I will not be an alien. I've been an alien for so long. I don't want to just be an alien all the fucking time. Can I be a human and have my actual face, please? So they did. Nice. <laughs> then they killed the fuck out of him. Was yeah. the entire... Was the entire Federation garrison humans? Yes. Probably. Okay. I think all yeah. the ones we saw, at least all the ones that were named, definitely were. Yeah, but I think even in the background, I don't remember spotting. Hmm. That's surprising. Like usually, when you see a, a you know a group of Starfleet, they usually you know throw in a bullion or something to mix it up. Yeah, that guy was killed. I guess they had their work cut out for them without doing all the Jem'Hadar makeup this week. Hmm. Yeah, and both Ferengi. But really, all three, because uh, you had the ROM scene at the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Unnecessary ROM scene. But yeah, speaking uh, of the Ferengi, so we've got Quark here for the most forced fucking reason. Cause it's so like, forced. There's no, there's no reason Quark should be doing any intel for Ferenginar anyway, because Ferenginar isn't in this fucking war. I mean, I guess war is good for business, as, as they say in several of the, of the uh, rules of acquisition. Yeah, Isn't it also bad for business? Weren't the Dominion also getting close to them, though? Like, weren't they, like, at one of their neighboring planets at one point? Is it possible they were just trying to be sort of, like, planning a, a good defense and that being the best offense or whatever? I don't think Ferenginar has any defense. I think their defense is make a deal with it. Yeah, no, Ferenginar's defense is, so, uh, how do we join? I have all these all this Tulaberry wine. Would you accept that? Wait, what's, what's that? The wormhole's closed? Shit. We don't have any Tulaberry wine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the reason was ludicrous, but I really enjoyed his scenes, yeah, so I was Quark willing to give it a was, pass. Yeah, having Quark there was great, 
why like, they just had no good reason for him to be there and that got very distracting for me but having him there like his scenes were excellent yeah yeah and, like and, the, the absurdity of the whole thing it's like yeah uh, the one thing we were saying at the end was like you you really want the scene where Cisco's on the horn chewing out an admiral for allowing this to happen. Mm. Oh yeah, that's what I was saying at the end. I was hoping that's what we were going to get because they were like, "Oh yeah, good news! Like we finally have people that are going to you know come and replace these folks who were supposed to be there for three months and have been there for five, and you know three fourths of their people are dead." And I was like, oh, man, I hope there's like an admiral or somebody for Cisco to chew out right now for letting this shit happen. Nope. But, Cisco's alas. in the let's what, let's wait and see how this plays out camp. Mm. Yeah. And I think that was important to was like, you know, the arc for him, because like he was very much into whatever it takes to take this thing. And I think by the end, keep this thing. And by the end, like, well, he acknowledges still was important to keep, I think, you know. He's still pissed. Plus, you really think if this thing is so important, this would be the one place you make damn sure gets the relief when it's supposed to. Is there just that little relief left in the Federation right now? Everybody's already positioned someplace? You feel like this is the one thing where you would be like, you know what? Holding this place is worth losing this random little fuck off. This is the place that sacrificed Deep Space Nine to take out a single shipyard. <laughs> yeah. Like, if the entire admiralty when this war is over isn't court-martialed for gross incompetence and fully replaced, which they probably aren't since we know what happens after nowadays, like, you're, f like, I don't understand how Starfleet works because it seems like only the worst, most incompetent dickheads actually make it into the Admiralty. Accurate. Like, the corrupt ones we've actively seen aside, like, just look at how this war has gone. Like, the people making decisions are staggeringly inept. Yeah, and I'll have to like, look at it. Of, even, even if they were any good at doing a war, the Dominion's forces are that much more superior to, to any of the Federations, because they're huge... They can just throw people at... They can zap Brannigan the fuck out of it by just throwing Jem Hadar at them. Because they can yep. throw new ones in a fucking week. Yeah. Um, and, and they, they, nothing, nothing can stop them. Except yeah. the profits that one time in the wormhole. Yes. But it feels like they aren't even trying, you know? Mm. Again, see giving up DS9 for a single shipyard. Like, what? And I get it. They... This happens like... At the same time, a shitload of... Well, what, yeah. This happens only a few years after the complete devastation of Wolf 359 and the Borg tearing ass to Earth in first huh. contact. Like, it's the worst possible timing. But Jiminy, Jesus. You've allied with the Klingons and the Romulans at this point. Get your shit together. Hmm. What if the Borg were here? We threw the Borg at them. Yeah, there you go. Oh, wait, but then the Borg will be that much bigger, and then they'll just take wipe out the Federation. Just yeah, picturing make a, Borg. a deal with the Borg. It's a bad idea. Trying to picture the Borg uh, attempting to assimilate a founder, and like every time they stick out the little tubes, it just turns to goo and flips them <laughs> off. <laughs> no, they inject <laughs> they they inject the like the nanoprobes or whatever it is, and then like 
it goes into the founder and they act all like, oh, God, I'm being a silly. But then they spit them out at them like like watermelon seeds or something. <laughs> <laughs> they try to assimilate a uh, Vorta in the nanites. You're like, this thing's already assimilated. What? <laughs> <laughs> I really liked what they did with some of the side characters. Oh, the soldiers? You know? Yeah. So like Vargas stood out as just like this sort of war weary badass but also like angry i guess i guess both he and the other dude with the i can't remember the other dude's uh, name reese reese the guy with the knife like they both they were kind of i guess kind of the same character uh, yeah i couldn't tell them apart after a while because one one of them i think died i'm not even yeah, sure Var- vargas got stabbed during the battle oh no so, reese lived reese lived with his knife but but yeah but he left the knife behind yeah he did he threw the knife in the dirt Someone um, else will use this on some Jem'Hadar. He's also Vargas, Vargas was familiar to me because I, he was a he was a pretty not a major character but a significant character in uh, in Breaking Bad that that same actor. Oh no, kid! Oh, yeah. And then I also remembered that he was in Alien Resurrection Ugh. as as basically Vargas as <laughs> like you know as, as a space marine. I think the difference, the key difference between Vargas and Reese was like they're both stressed out and sick of this shit. But whereas it feels like Vargas could just like go full, um, oh damn it, I can't remember his name. In uh, the guy that loses it in Full Metal Jacket, I thought I thought you were gonna be like I thought you were gonna be like you know like oh man, what was the main character in First Blood? <laughs> I can't remember the name. Yeah, it's, is it Vincent D'Onofrio's character? Anyway, the guy that yeah. snaps. I like, know he, you're, yeah. you're waiting for Vargas to snap. Like, Reese is pissed off and disgruntled and all that, but he feels more together. He seems like a like a sociopath. Like, Nog looks like, Jesus fucking Christ, Nog. He's like, oh man, he's got a necklace full of Jem'Hadar Kestrasel white tubes, and that's mm. cool. And Quark is like, what the hell is wrong with you, Nog? That's, yeah. whole, that's terrible. That's taking trophies off your kills, and that's not what Starfleet is about. That's not very Starfleet, is it? Well, humans. That's, that's what I was. That's what I was thinking about during this. Is like when you think about like the ages of most of these characters. Like they signed up during the good years. These were people who joined Starfleet to explore and do like TNG shit, and now they've got this thrown at them, and it just must be like. What the fuck? Can you imagine, like, the recruitment ads that Starfleet has to run to get people to sign up these days? It's like the U.S. Army, you know? Yeah. Be all that you can be in Starfleet. Collect Jem'Hadar trophies. Yeah. Like... Catch yourself light tubes. Yeah. Like... Nog joined up right before things got really bad, but that means the majority of his training was sort of based on this sort of war standing. Yeah, we we know where we're headed. We're going to have to train you to use all these rifles. Yeah, whereas, like, maybe this guy who's collecting trophies, like, was just a fucking navigator on an Excelsior, happy to beam down and occasionally get alien strange... Like, yeah, no wonder he <laughs> lost his mind. He wasn't trained for this. Well, it's, it's, it reminds me of, uh, of, of Curly, right? You know, Setlick 3. Well, that's, uh, that's the difference, though, is he enlisted during a period of war. 
Mm, that's true. Yeah, I guess he 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 knew what he was signing up for. Yeah, like if anyone is used to this, it's him. You know, like everybody else, anyone who wasn't there for the Cardassian border wars or anything like that, they, they you know they they were cutting their teeth during the uh, you know the era where the worst thing that could happen on your ship was your holodeck malfunctioning or mm. maybe oh, getting caught in a time loop. Yeah, it could, but I mean, you know, like it wasn't. It, you know, they're probably treating like, all right, here's what happened, you know, red alert, here's battle procedures, this and that, it'll happen sometimes. You know, they go through 15, maybe 20 years as an officer, having a good time, and then it's like, full-blown war with, honestly, our toughest competition since we were at it with the Klingons a century and a half ago. Four. The Borg came between them, though. Yeah, but the thing is, the Borg... But that wasn't a full-blown... Like, the thing is, yeah, the Borg is bad for a week. Yeah. Like, you get over the week of the Borg, and you're fine. Oh. I mean, you do lose an extraordinary amount of people. Yeah. Oh, yeah, big time. But it, it is, it's quick. There's no, like, sieges. The Borg, yeah, the Borg doesn't hold a planet. <laughs> the Borg is a natural disaster. Mmm, okay, I like that. You know, but yeah, like, a long, drawn-out, and even the war with the Cardassians, we know, was sort of different because it was made pretty explicit at some point in TNG that, like, in reality, if the Federation wasn't the Federation, they kind of could have just steamrolled them. Hmm. But that's not how they do. Whereas, so, like, again, this is, like, the first time in ages where they've come up against an enemy that can really, you know, push them to, like, we might lose this. So that's, you know, something no one currently in Starfleet, really, except maybe some really old Vulcan Admiral mm. <laughs> remembers. And even then, Core. he was a... Core remembers. Yes. <laughs> Core remembers almost kicking their ass, and then fucking Laurel shows up, ruins everything. I couldn't help but notice that, you know, when Julian gets... At the very beginning of the episode, when Julian picks up the mixtape that he ordered from Vic... You know, Vic's like, oh, I'd like to join you on your trip. And he's like, oh, there won't be any holodecks where we're going. And then the first wave of Jem'Hadar, ah. all holograms. True. Someone call Vic. Let <laughs> Vic oh, get no. killed 15 more times. Oh, no. Vic's going to get his hands on a mobile emitter someday. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Who's Moriarty? True. Oh, I'm good. You know what I liked, though, of all this? Because I think both Caitlin and I were dreading, I mean, I don't know, I think you were dreading it, you correct me if I'm wrong, but the minute Will Robinson starts talking to Ezri, it was like, oh no, are they going to oh, try yeah, to gonna, like... They're going to kill him. But they're only ever just buddies, and that was great. Oh, oh, you mean the the boys thing? Yeah. Yeah, buddies. as soon as they started to chum up, I was like, oh, come on, dude, don't, don't do this, not here, not now, this is really not the time or the place. And it wasn't, and they were just like, no, they were just friends, and he was happy to have someone there who could help him. And that was definitely her bro, when he died, she was... Yeah. That sucked. That's when I broke. Because mm. I was like, oh, no. I mean, obviously, New Dex wasn't going to get shot. But then that guy popped up to save her. And my my immediate response was like, oh, he saved. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> I, well, actually, your, your exact words were, oh, no, the good engineer. Oh, yeah. That's what I, yeah, that's what I said. It's true, because I couldn't remember his name. Still can't. What's his name? I don't remember. Was it like Kellen. Kelly? Kelly? Kellen. Kellen. I was going to uh, say, I knew someone said it earlier. But yeah, I was, that was a bummer. But yeah, I was glad that they weren't like, let's try to shoehorn some romance in here in this totally inappropriate yeah. landscape. Like, 
Also, a guy that seems to know at least enough about Trill to just be like, great, one of you was an engine. Perfect. Come on. Yeah, I also feel like the way that they're doing it, like, Esri is still very one note. It's very, I'm all these things, and I'm confused. Every scene. And I'm annoying. (laughs) It was nice, though, to see that, like, she was able to kind of channel that for once, though, like, I'm going to focus and I'm actually going to do some engineering shit I had no idea I could do. Yeah. It's, a, it's sort of a less ridiculous version of the uh, backflip catch in um, Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite. Mm. Gross. I don't know. The note I made was Esri, despite having nine lives, is still somehow one note. Should have been nine notes. <laughs> nine lives, <laughs> nine only note. one note. <laughs> That's the problem, though, isn't it? Like, you need a season to really settle into figuring out how to write a character, and all she gets is a season. Yeah, and it's like, oh, yeah, a it. season that's already very full of stuff. So much. Yeah. They don't really have enough time to do just like character building episodes for Esri. Yeah, no, I think she gets one. I vaguely yeah, recall. I feel it. like there's a. I feel like there's one about murder man. Yeah, Duran. Duran. Yeah. I, I think would J- love Duran. Duran. <laughs> yeah, I would have much preferred to see what Jedzia could have done in these positions, but. Mm. But yeah, it was it was good to see them not do inappropriate romance for once. Exactly. Yeah. For once, they were just you know. Colleagues in the field. It's like, wow. So you do know how to write this way. What a novel fucking idea. Maybe you should have done it more frequently. I kind of liked how we had a more paternal side from Quark when yeah. Nog was concerned. Like, I felt like a lot of it was his usual humans shit, which I kind of thought we had gotten past when all the humans on the station got together to like bring him shit to rebuild his bar. But Quark seems to have unlearned a lot of his lessons. I mean, the thing is, what he says about humans here isn't inaccurate. You know, he's like, look, as lo- like that thing there. These are people from a post scarcity society. Give them scarcity again and they regress fast, which honestly, I feel like is what would happen. Probably, you know, yeah. like. I, I think especially, especially if anything, if you're used to being comfortable all the time, you really don't know how to deal with not being comfortable. Hmm. Well, I feel like that is definitely, like, one of their, the, like, underlying, or, like, through, through running. Recurring themes of the series. Yeah, well, especially because, like, when we think about when the kids were running the ship last season, Mm. they fucking lost their damn minds. Yep. Yeah. I don't know, it it just doesn't seem that, it seems like we see that a lot lately. And I think that's probably, you know more discussion about man during war because i mean you know when you think about it like when we're at war it's when some of the most horrible atrocities are committed like yeah raping and pillaging becomes the norm again you know this is this is the 24th century you know war in space version of like that you know yeah yeah and i mean i'm sure there's rules against it but there are you know soldiers do collect trophies yeah i don't know i th- I, I wished because nog doesn't regain consciousness by the end of the episode, does he? Yeah, he does. We oh, have did some, he? We have some he, talk he talks with him. to Cisco. He talks about oh, how that's like, right. he's like, it totally. doesn't hurt. You'd think it would, but it doesn't hurt. All right. He's I in totally shock, like, whoa. Put it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Putting for on reason, his face. For some face. reason, I forgot that scene happened, but 
I guess I guess the point was like my point I was gonna make was that um you know at the beginning of the episode he's all kind of worshiping these these badasses, you know, and, and he's you know, not you know, he's listening to Quark and Quark's trying to give him that that lesson about humans and Nog's just not having any of it. He's like, this is war. This is Starfleet. We're going to do Red it. Squad, yeah. Red well, squad. I was going to say, it's, it's exactly, again, like that episode where, like, it's basically Quark's trying to tell him what Jake tried to told him, to, tried to told him, tried to tell him, which is like, this ain't it, you know? Yeah, like, and it's weird because he had that lesson, but now that he's been maimed, maybe now he'll understand that war isn't a picnic. I guess we'll see, since this seems to be the season of forgetting all the work we did in previous seasons. Well, season. next, next week is the picnic episode, so. Well, see, I think the difference here, the reason he could get bamboozled again, is because, like, all right, they were s- stupid because they were, like... Children. Children, and they were doing stuff they weren't supposed to. Like, these are officers. These are adults. These people I'm supposed to look... Son of a bitch! <laughs> yeah. Not again! True. Like I mean, but the other thing is, it's not like the other ones were glorifying. Like with Red Squad, the other ones were like, "Yeah, we're the best, we're the best." But in this one, the 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 other soldiers are like, "This sucks." Yeah, yeah this we is fucking awful. Hate this. Yeah, and yet Nog is still like, "Yeah, but but war, am I right?" Check out these sweet, sweet serial killer trophies over here. I, I think it's less the whole war thing. It's more like, "Wow, you, you guys are so impressive," and they're like, "We really aren't. <laughs> we are just trying to live." kid like where we are so tired fucking trophies guy is gonna leave starfleet and just open up fucking ice fishing business in canada when you hmm. say that do you mean become like a serial killer of some kind because i feel like that seems more i mean you know column a column b easy to occasionally ice. disappear one of your clients in the middle of nowhere canada well into the ice fishing hole yeah bet if you weighed somebody down and threw them in there that'd be pretty good yeah, there's also a nice parallel between this episode and the previous episode when the reinforcements finally arrive and somebody, forget who, says, they're basically children. And I think Cisco says, not for long. And I'm thinking, yikes. Mm. And you think last, in last episode, in uh, Once More Under the Breach, when, when our good friend uh, Derok is talking with Kor about, they're basically all children compared to us. Yeah. They don't know what they're doing. They're having this whole new thing. And they're babies. That's the interesting thing, too. Like, I'm not sure how things are going for the Klingons, but, like, you do feel like, you know, you've got Kor and the Secretary, who are both, like, probably close to 200. Martok, you feel like it may be a little older than War, but they're probably contemporaries, kind of. And it just feels like everybody else is, like, a kid. <laughs> like, where's, uh, where's everybody in the middle? Oh, they're dead. No. Yeah. Well, that's, again, that's what War do. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's just, like, you know, your veterans, they they don't last in a situation like this because, you know, they're sent to places like this where they just get fucked up. Yeah. yeah. And also yeah. Klingons don't have much of a survival instinct. Yeah. And they well, aren't yeah, very guess... nice to people with mental health problems. Ooh. Holy shit. It really doesn't oh, seem to Oh, you have like... PTSD, you pussy? We're all going to make fun of you. Oh, shit. Like, that makes sense that, though, like, Klingons would not have a lot of veterans because as given any opportunity they're just like well today's a good day to die oh cut myself shaving 
ramming speed. <laughs> just yeah. It seems like when that's your whole philosophy, it must be a bitch to hold on to people. Yeah. Because their whole thing is like, we really want to die in battle. So it's like, like in a way, it's really like you have all these two hundred year olds because of. It was, again, a somewhat different culture at that point, and they were a little more willing to try to keep themselves alive. You know, I feel like there's, you know, there's a bunch of 200-year-olds, and then, like, no one else is making it past, like, 60. Mm. Well, like, TOS Klingons were, like, just villainous humans. Like, they were, they were, yeah. they were just villains. They weren't, they didn't have any of that warrior stuff. So, no. you know, I guess that just makes... So something happened between TOS and TNG eras. Yes, they came up with a new television show. <laughs> well, no, I mean, but in, in universe, you have to imagine that something... I mean, without getting into spoilers, you could almost see, like, it all kind of lines up just about right, that, like, if you have this sudden interest in Klingon religion that crops up it the in the first season of Discovery, and if that managed to gain a big enough foothold, and it because they established that the Klingons had been sort of civil warring for a while, mm. and I think you could see evidence that the society becomes sort of decadent. It's part of those damn Durosses again, isn't it? Probably. Then this like religious fanatic shows up, and sort of reintroduces religion to the Empire in a big way. And you can see that maybe, you know, not the fanatical version as much, but, you know, if it reinvigorates an interest in Kalos and all that, you can see a hundred years later, there's a more, mm. you know, glory and honor, um, which is also, I mean, that, that is certainly a way that fading sort of um, societies try to prop themselves up, is building up on their own, you know, you look at, like, the code of Bushido or the code of um, uh, the British knights. What the hell do they call Temp it? The Knights oh. of Templar? No, not that. They're actual like... Oh. Magna Carta. No. <laughs> but there, there's technically a t name for the British. Oh, which... oh the, um, the British, the knights uh, that say ni. <laughs> Damn it, I thought you actually had it. That was good, Jake. That was I, knew, really well I knew he didn't. <laughs> But those codes were, like, very rarely actually followed. It was just a story you tell yourselves to prop up your warriors and this and that and your cultural, traditional mm. nonsense. Well, it's also interesting. So the so in Star Trek VI, Praxis is destroyed and, and, Ad, and Admiral uh, Joe Sisko... Uh, right. <laughs> I don't remember if it was him or somebody else that said it, actually. I just brought it, wanted to bring him up because he was in that movie, but... Somebody's like, yeah, the, Brit the, the British, the Klingon Empire has roughly 50 years of life left. And I wonder if, you know, we don't see any of that period, really, between Star Trek VI and TNG. And I wonder if, like, the, the Klingons really did come very close to just collapsing as an as a entity. And maybe there was some sort of resurgence of, you know, traditional... Yeah, if the seeds had already you know? been laid a few decades yeah. earlier. Like, yeah, so like maybe, because we don't really hear much about or see much of the cult of Takuvma at all. I mean, obviously they never came up with it when they made the movies, but we don't see anything about that. So I guess we could assume that maybe it remained a fringe cult until sometime after the destruction of Praxis. And that, 
you know, and, and that kind of let put it, you know, the, 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 the empire was in a depressed state and just people needed, like you say, that, that sense of, of honor or whatever that, that would, could bring them out of, uh, out of that. To the yeah. Side. Like it all, it all sort of works out, I think, because of the areas that are left vague. You can kind of put put together what maybe happened. Mm. Cool. I forget how we got into this discussion. Yeah, sorry, I'm not. But I'm going to segue us back out because there's an in, like the interesting thing that Cis, that kind of is. It's not even an arc. It's just a consistent thing that Cisco does in that in that he reads the names every yeah. time there's a new installment of names. And this um, at the very very end, it's like, oh, how many names this week? And I think Kira or whoever says. Uh, 1730 names and he says oh man you know what that means and like it's gonna take you a long time to read that list that's what that means yeah I think a big part of this was having reminding Cisco that there is a person behind every name because mm. even he sort of says at the beginning like it's they're starting to blur together it's starting to like he's still reading them but the impact is lessening and and I he think, gets to go and hang out with some doomed people. Yeah, and being there among the shit has sort of reminded him. Well, and especially because they're basically saying, we know that you're your big, you know, big swinging dick captain. You don't give a shit. You don't have to stay. You don't care what happens to us here. And then he has to... He was like, well, I didn't, but now I have to prove that I do because I'm stubborn like that. Yeah. Also, the Defiant had to leave for some reason. Yeah, well, they offered to beam him up. Briefly. But he said, leave us behind. Which is like, great, you want to have this moment, but you think you would like, maybe ask everyone else? You know? Let Quark leave. (laughs) Any of you guys want to go? I'm going to stay. Yeah, I was kind of shocked by that, too. I was just like, dude, some of these people got families and shit. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's his job, is to make decisions for his people, but still. He can order the, the Federation guys to stay, but yeah, there's no reason why... Like Quark, Quark had to be there. To stay. I feel like though, even though he's Quark, like if Nog was gonna be there, he wasn't gonna leave. Disagree. Probably. Quark would have left. I don't know because I, I think, yeah, I think he does actually care about Nog, and and you know that's, you know, if, if there's that moment where the Jem'Hadar runs into the the medical bay, and Quark, you know, hears him coming because of his Ferengi sense, and you know. Preempts them from shooting, uh, from shooting Nog. You know? Well, that guy would have just shot everybody. They weren't. They weren't looking for Nog. They were just looking. No, for but people. but Nog would have been killed along with anybody else that was in there. And rather than stand and, or rather not stand and run and scream like he might be want, Cork killed the fuck out of that guy. He did. That was Big great. Time. And yeah. actually, we see Ezri do some killing too, and we know from listening to her talk about things that. You know, she knows that her other incarnations have done things, but she's never done them. So I would guess that this was a first for both of them. Well, as you said, he did accidentally kill that Klingon that one time, but this may be his first... Intentional killing. Yeah. And his face certainly would suggest... Yeah, great acting from Armin Schoen oh, yeah. in that moment. He gave great Even face. with all that shit on his face, you know what I mean? It, it's incredible. And He's all those teeth knack. in his mouth... He's amazing. Yeah, no, he he's certainly really knows incredible. how to like, act under makeup. I definitely don't like, I don't love what they're doing with him so far this season, but that doesn't take away, you know, you can take away the, the good parts of his character, maybe, but you definitely can't take away Armin Shimmerman's skill and talent. 
thankfully. He, he also shot the guards in the um, holding cell area when he and what's her face? Uh, oh, that's right! I forgot about that. that broke a, stun, the rest of them. a stunner kill situation. I don't know. I don't know if we get the answer to that. Which episode are you talking them. about? When Nog and Kira or oh. And Rom and Kira. Of oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Rom and Kira and Lita are in the uh, are yeah. in the rig where their little pseudo underground is about to get executed. The end. The end of that six parter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that was sacrifice of angels. But I'm also thinking in oh Jake's favorite Ferengi episode, magnificent Ferengi. Does, don't he and Lek kill some Jem Hadar, or am I making that up? Somebody I, killed some Jem Hadar. I know one remember. of them was Lek. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely like that's that is his job. He is a, a, a fuck. What is he? What's his title? Eliminator. Oh ah, right, yes. right, right. Yeah, uh, one more one, one more Nog note, and that was that there was there was a good moment when they were considering having Nog lose both of his legs. Oh wow! Oh, shit. And they said, yeah, one, one. This is already fucking horrifying. Let's let him yeah. have one. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing. It's like, I mean, I'm sure I'm not going to forget that it happened, but I'm guessing that he's just going to have a prosthetic on underneath his, like, space outfit, and, like, we won't really talk too much about it again. Like, so, fun fact. Uh-huh. He gets to have his own little Picard dealing with the aftermath episode. Does yeah, he? he there, there's, there's, oh, that's this is, awesome! This is addressed. Good. He gets, he well, gets to wrestle with because... Robert in some mud. Yeah. I don't know what that is. I only bring it up because oh, I got you. I was like, what? <laughs> I only bring it up because it's actually quite soon. Oh, so. good. Well, I'm glad because I, yeah, it would be to me kind of unacceptable to be like, yeah, we blew this beloved secondary character's leg off, and we theoretically no have a counselor. Sure, oh, no, I don't thing. want that. I don't want that to happen. Can't he just talk to Dr. Bartender from from the original series? Anything but anything but Esri, please. We'll see pretty soon, because I don't remember how they resolve it. I just know oh, well, that I'm excited. A, it, is, it is an upcoming episode where they discuss the leg. I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see if they can turn uh, turn that frown upside down and get a little ha ha out of Nog by the end. Oh of the yeah, Aaron Aaron Eisberg, I'm sure will bring it. Well, he must have such an interesting perspective too, because I mean, not you know, he he of course lived with chronic illness, which is a you know slightly less visible and obvious disability than literally missing a leg. But it will be interesting to see what he brings to what he brings to that and. You know what he might give us that another actor wouldn't have done. Mm. I look forward to it. I just love Nog. Do you guys think when we started talking Deep Space Nine all, all so long ago, like a year and however long ago, that one day I'd be like, I love Nog. Knowing his arc, there was a good chance. Oh, fine. But yes, if I didn't know his arc, I would be sure surprised. Yeah, fine. I accept your explanation. Yeah, based just on season one, we'd be like, oh no. Yeah, yeah. Caitlin, where are your tastes? <laughs> and who could have predicted from his first appearance that Vic would be my favorite character? God <laughs> damn it. I knew it. <laughs> I do like the idea, though, of, like, holodeck created mixtapes ta- mix for when you're cruising to a war zone. Yeah. 
Yeah, Did they just like, contract Jimmy Darren for a certain number of episodes or something and had to work him in? Is probably. that what happened? Maybe. Well, this was two birds with one stone, though, because that means that Rom got his writer-required piece as well. You know? Mm. So at least it was a twofer. Was Odo in this one at all? I was trying to think about that when we were talking about Changelings earlier. Um, I do not remember. I don't I think so. So I feel like they spent their whole time on the Defiant. Now, they're briefly on the station, but he's only ever with Kira, I think, both times. Mm. And he was only in the last one really quick to kind of take the piss out of Quark a little. Nice. Yeah. I do miss, they, they don't banter as much as they used to. No. Oh, well, it's typical it's guy gets a girlfriend and, like, just vanishes up her ass. Well, I was just going to say, like, he's taking his sexual frustrations out on someone else now. Like, <laughs> he isn't just angry and horny all the time anymore. Was it in Dead Men on Campus? My God, you're so horny, you've turned mean. <laughs> oh, no. I have one line note for, I think it was Ira Baron, um, Hans Baimler that wrote this. I have one line note that would have been better. And that's it. I think it's um, the engineer, Kellen, who's like flipping the little, the sight on his rifle. Oh, yeah. And he yep. says, oh, I, my, my thumb is getting nervous or something like that. And Cisco says, I know how you feel. Better line, I know how your thumb feels. <laughs> that is good. I don't get it. His thumb well, is feeling nervous. Like, obviously, he's nervous, oh, oh, I but know he's how flaming. Your, I know how your thumb feels. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah. That would be good. I would... I support that line. They also let's, really... get, let's get Tignataro to, uh, yes. <laughs> to tape that and get in there with it. Yeah, again with him before we... I know we're getting a little... Probably getting towards the end, but... They didn't, they didn't do the unnecessary romance, and his death was really quick. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, they, like, they sort of panned down to Esri holding him at one point, but it wasn't a big drawn out. It was just like, oh, fu-. like people just fucking died and were gone. Pretty much like he got, I think the most attention and by TV terms, he got no attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean like, like Vargas is like blink and you miss it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know, same with uh, the Lieutenant that got killed when they were doing the recon. Oh yeah. yeah. She was just, yeah. She's gone. Brutal. Yeah. I did. I read that there was a lot of like, People people didn't want to do this episode. And Ira Bear basically had to say, no, we've got to do more war is fucking shit episodes. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know what they wanted, what they wanted instead of an episode like this. I think they were like, no, this is going to be too brutal and gruesome or something. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of like debate over. Do we have to do we yeah. have to do war? It's like you guys decided to do war several seasons ago. Yeah. They wanted in to, it now. They wanted to do fun TV war, not war. It's supposed to be glorious, not commentary. <laughs> Anything else? Speaking of commentary, our commentary has come to an end. <laughs> yeah. That is a good segue. Well, sweating my balls off. So, if you like what you heard and you'd like to hear more, you can nope. You can nope right out of here. <laughs> you can nope right the fuck out. That's normally what you say. Yeah, but I feel like I should be like, thanks for joining us for another episode of A Star to Steer Her By. And then say if you want to hear more. Oh, I see. You know what I mean? I feel mm. like I've been I've been playing myself. 
Well, hey, listen. Uh, thanks for listening to our podcast. And if you enjoyed it, you can subscribe. Uh, and make sure you never miss an episode. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. You can also check us out on Facebook by searching for A Star to Steer Her By, where we share all kinds of Star Trek and science-y bullshit-related news. It's great. It's fun. We interact with you. You interact with us. It'll be fun. Let's see. You can also find us on Twitter and Tumblr at SSHB Podcast, or you can visit our website, SSHBPodcast.com, our home on the internet, where you can check out things that we have written in the past, as well as uh, past season reviews, tops and bottoms, you know, all the good shit. Speaking of not missing an episode, yes, I do not often look at our numbers, but I happened to glance the other day, and a lot of you didn't listen to the episode where we discussed Profit and Lace. Now look, it's a terrible episode, but if I sat through it, I expect you to sit through it too. We had or at least amazing our commentary to, yeah, on it. Yeah, we had some great discussion on that fucking train fire or whatever. I was surprised really at how much Chris loved that episode. It was <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, you you again, you don't have to watch it even. Just listen to us be very sad about it cuz Yeah, you'll remember how much you hated it. Don't make me have watched that episode for nothing. It's true. Our sacrifice can't be for naught. Exactly. Think of us as being doomed Starfleet members on Starbase AR-55, whatever the fuck it was. Mm. Sorry, you were saying. Anyway, as usual, I have been Caitlin. I have been Jake. This has been Chris. And this is always Ames. Hey, rule of acquisition 125. Can't make a deal if you're dead. Pally. Pally. (laughs) Pally.